0: What's up, Washington fans? Welcome to the Burning Network Podcast preview show. We have the Cincinnati Bengals at 2-6-1, such an odd record, traveling to Washington to take on the football team at 2-7, and seven. somewhat still in the race for the NFC East. I don't even know. I'm not even keeping up with it, honestly. I'm Josh Taylor, joined by Brian Murphy We are going to break down this matchup as we continue to take on the AFC North. Brian, we have the battle, number one versus number two overall picks. Joe Burrow, number one versus number two, Chase Young. Are you excited about this one? I think the last time we had this was RG3 at one versus Andrew Luck at two in the preseason, so that doesn't really count.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is exciting. It'll be fun to see these two guys. Uh, go at it. I guess they were both at Ohio State at one point or another, technically, maybe yes. technically teammates at some point. So, I'm sure they're both uh you know, I'm sure they both only care about what what happens, you know, on the scoreboard, but you got to think that they want to have the better game between the two. So, we'll see who who it motivates more if uh Joe Burrow comes out slinging it uh or if Chase Young's able to bring him down a couple of times. Hopefully the latter, but we'll see. It, it is it all it is always special when you see one versus two. Uh, and especially in their rookie years so pretty fresh off their them being drafted going at it like this so that's pretty fun to see and that's definitely one of the storylines going into this pretty putrid matchup between these two bad teams have you seen the gif
0: of like that one skinny guy just like flexing i feel like that's both of us right oh now. yeah exactly
1: like i mean is there do you really even brag if you win this game i mean because no. I don't think it's going to take you anywhere. I mean, Washington, I guess, is technically still in the race. So this really could be for a draft position. So win-loss
0: could be taken a
1: couple different ways. Yeah, you never know how how this could affect things come April.
0: How embarrassing is that? I don't think this has ever happened if we do tie and the Bengals literally have two ties in the season. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I wonder when the last time that happened. It has, to, it has to have been a long, long time ago.
0: If ever. Like that, That's really hard to do, get to in the season. Um, but like you said, with Joe Burrow, tec- technically lost his job to Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State before he left LSU. And I'll admit it, I wasn't high on him. Call it, you know, the bias because LSU beat Bama last year. I just have this grown hatred towards the guy. I'm pretty open about it um but you know absolutely you know has shown up so far this season and kind of exceeded what i've expected um and we'll talk later on about you know both teams really in this rebuilding stage and you know having joe Burrow might have you know a little up on us in that but 242 for 370 2485 yards 12 touchdowns five interceptions How would you grade Joe Burrow so far in this point in the season, especially playing in the AFC North?
1: Yeah, tough division. I mean, maybe three of those teams are going to the playoffs. Who knows if the Browns will or not, but uh, I I think it's safe to say the Steelers and and the Ravens probably will get in. So, yeah, it's a tough place to, to play, and we've seen him play in some competitive games. Um So, yeah, so far I would have to give him a solid B, Uh, not a B plus, not a B minus, a B right in the middle of that B. Um, I don't think I was expecting him to come out and sling it like he did, but, I mean, that's all he did last year, so he just kept it going. Um, Obviously, there's some growing pains being a rookie, but I think he's had a pretty solid season overall, and he's been fun to watch, so. Um. Yeah. Pretty. Pretty average to a little above average is where I'd grade him at.
0: Yeah, that first duel with the uh, Browns. I think it was in like a Thursday night game.
1: Yeah. To me, that yeah. was
0: one of the more exciting games of the season so far. Um, but I, I will say, like, I've really expected, you know, him being with Joe Brady at LSU, like that first season where he started back in 2018. He just looked like an average quarterback kind of like Trask did before this year, kind of like Mac Jones did and then just had this crazy breakout season at LSU, shattered all the yards, coasted to the national championship game, won that pretty easily. Um and I just, you know, he had these such high expectations. I was like there's no way you can live up to that just going to the NFL. Joe Brady went to the Panthers. I was like that guy is responsible for more of Joe Burrow than anybody. And I seem to be wrong. You know, I didn't think he would have the supporting cast in Cincinnati um, to succeed. I didn't really expect A.J. Green to have a big season, and I don't know what happened to that guy. He went from, like, a top 10 receiver, maybe top 5 at one point in the league to just completely disappear. Why do you think A.J. Green, you know, I know he's had those injuries, but do you think he's just, like, not part of the game plan for this team and you're relying on some of these young new guys like Boyd and and uh, Higgins, or what do you think's going on there?
1: Yeah, it is crazy to see because I, I always just considered him right up there with with some of the best for a while, and it just seems like every year another two or three guys pass him on that top receiver uh, list. And yeah, so I think he missed all of last year with an injury. I feel like he's always been banged up, and I think we saw. I don't know if it was confirmed, but him saying something on the sideline about just trade me or something like that. So it just doesn't seem to be going. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to be going well. And um, it's tough to see because he's always been so good. Uh, That being said, I hope that we're not setting him up for a huge game against us after he doesn't do anything all season long. But, yeah, it is kind of weird to see that A.J. Green is the second or third fiddle uh on this offense yeah you're right i don't know if it's a a game plan thing or if they feel like you know what his best years are behind him let's let's uh try to groom some new receivers which they seem to be doing really well so yeah i don't know it's very strange to 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 know that aj green's going to be playing on sunday and he's not even on like i don't even know the top five worries for the washington football team this this sunday
0: So I don't look too much into things like this. We kind of talked about it a minute ago. Take it with you want. Um, But we talked about number one versus number two. For those who don't know, I, I told Brian this. You can take this how you want. Number one overall picks, when they face a number two pick, does not go well for the number one pick, history says. So 2019, Murray versus Bosa. Number one, Murray goes down to number two, Bosa. 2017, Miles Garrett, number one overall pick, goes down to number two, Trubisky. 2015, Winston loses to number two, Mariota. 2010, Bradford loses to Ndamuk and Sue at number two. 2009, Stafford goes down to number two, Jason Smith, who's a tackle. So it's not looking good. I told you the only one was like the Long Brothers when they played each other that one time in like the last 20 years is the only time. Even RG3 lost in the preseason. So it's not just the regular season, but does that give you any kind of extra hope or you're just like, whatever, that's just a crazy stat, not really looking too much into it?
1: It is very crazy that it's worked out that way, but I just think it's one big coincidence. I don't think either (laughs) of those guys or either of these teams are thinking about that stat when they take the field on Sunday. But it is interesting that, You know usually you would think the number one guy would be the better player and would will his team to victory but it just shows you how much of a team sport this is so as much as we we're going to talk about uh chase young versus joe burrow and i'm sure all the pregame shows are going to be saying it you know i don't know how many times they'll mention it during the broadcast they'll probably beat it to death but it really is about washington versus cincinnati at the end of the day and there there are a lot of other guys on both sides of the ball for both teams that are going to make an impact but uh I am excited to see, as a Washington fan, I'm really excited to see, hopefully, Chase Young bring Joe Burrow down and kind of be like, all right, yeah, yeah, he is a number two pick. He could have very easily been the number one pick. So I am excited for it, but it it really is, at the end of the day, Washington versus Cincinnati, not Young versus Burrow.
0: I agree. So something that has come out recently that we just talked about briefly was it looks like the Bengals are without three position coaches due to COVID-19 reasons. Wide receivers coach, Bob Bicknell, cornerback coach, Steve Jackson, and safeties coach, Robert Livingston. So wide receiver coach, cornerback coach, safety coach. That's kind of a big deal. Right. I mean, you're asking more guys on the sideline to have more responsibilities. That could be something as small as, you know, substitutions going wrong. It could be anything. Do you think that gives any play into the game, any kind of effect being without three position coaches?
1: Yeah, I think it certainly could. Uh, I think, you know, you were saying substitutions. I didn't even think about that. The first thing I was thinking of was like in-game adjustments. I imagine that those are the guys oh, yeah. that are that are sitting down. You said the safeties and the cornerbacks especially. I'm sure they're making adjustments drive by drive. You know, you, you never know how a team's going to come out there, and so the defensive backs have got to adjust on the fly. So you wonder if that might have, a, have an effect, the in-game communication, because – I imagine not knowing exactly how the X's and O's, the ins and outs of coaching works, but you imagine that the offensive and de- defensive coordinators are over everything. And then those position coaches kind of fill in the details during the game. So that'll be interesting from a communication standpoint. I don't know how much we will or will not see it affect the, on the field stuff, but I, I'm sure that there's going to be a, a little bit of uh, uh, more difficulty for the Bengals to, to communicate.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't think about that either with you know, end game um, substitutions, stuff like that, but also just making these adjustments. Um, that could be good news for Alex Smith, who's coming off his best back-to-back yardage-wise games right. in his career. So something else we'll talk about. Can he do the 3P for 300? <laughs> what is it, like bowling a turkey, <laughs> essentially? Yeah. The turkey exactly. of football. Can he do it?
1: Well, let me put it this way. If he's going to go over 300, 400 again, I hope that it's in a win because these last two, it's been nice to see those stats up there, but it hasn't translated to much in terms of the scoreboard. So I guess it's a good or bad thing depending on how you look at it.
0: The defense is getting a lot of hate, but I also checked before the game. We're still number one in the league in passing yardage. So somehow we're allowing these giant plays but still, we are number one in the league in uh, passing defense. So
1: That is fascinating to I me. Mean, I saw that too, and I was like, really? After what Matthew Stafford <laughs> did? But I guess you're right. I mean, they come in like little chunks. And, I, I mean, sadly, the chunks are enough to do Washington in. But, but you're right. They somehow figure it out. But it is still surprising to see that they're up there at the top.
0: I mean, this is definitely the most offensive this game has ever been in the NFL history, oh, I would yeah. say. I mean, especially, you know, with what we see with, like, Kyler Murray and Russ doing last night. Like, that's what it's turning into. And we've been talking about it with quarterbacks on our little side pod that we're going to keep doing. But it's just what the game is. You're going to allow big plays to happen. Like, I would say the corner and the safety position is getting more valuable by the year because you need someone who's going to stop Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and these quarterbacks that are just throwing crazy yards. So, outside of that, another guy missing for the Bengals that can have a huge impact. Joe Mixon, like you said, they've been without him for a little while now, but still the leading rusher with 428 yards and three touchdowns on the season. Gibson has a slightly better season so far, seven touchdowns. Is he going to continue this streak that he's been on? Will he score a touchdown on Sunday with Gibson?
1: Mm, I think he does. I think he just plays such a huge role in this offense. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to go as far as say that it's similar to the Detroit game. And I think both running backs McKissick and him find a way to get in the end zone. They, they seem to love those two guys, you know, out of the backfield underneath handing it off. They they try to get those guys involved a whole lot. And I feel like more and more as the season's going on, I, you know, I don't know the exact numbers. I feel like we're seeing both of those guys on the field at the same time. So they obviously like those guys a lot, but Gibson, yeah, the fact that he has seven touchdowns, man, I, I, I knew he was having a good year. I didn't realize he was being that productive. So that's really awesome to see, and I, I see no reason why that doesn't continue. I mean, we talk about how good, or, or you know, stats-wise, how good Washington's defense is bad. On the same, at the same time, the uh, the Bengals have been pretty bad on the defensive side of the ball, allowing over 400 yards a game. So I, I see no reason why Gibson doesn't get in the end zone uh, at least once.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be Gibson's, I would say, breakout game. And it could come all purpose, too. It could be, you know, catching a couple passes. We've seen McKissick the last two weeks has more targets than any player in the NFL.
1: Yeah, unreal.
0: by like five or six, too. Like, it's a good little chunk. He's averaging like, I think he had 15 last week and like 13 the week before that. So, And we talked about Giovanni Bernard, like the role he's going to have, you know, with the Bengals, with Joe Mixon being out. It's safe to say that like him, Gibson, and McKissick all kind of really play that same role. Both love catching passes, but still not afraid to run the ball. I think he's more of a threat uh, receiving than he is rushing. Um, He'll still score on his feet, but I think they really have that. But how difficult is it when you have Gibson who scores as many touchdowns as he has on his feet and you're still targeting a guy like McKissick 15 times a game? How hard is it? for your offense to really balance that out.
1: And then you have Terry saying, hey, don't forget to throw me the ball too. I I mean, yeah, you're right. I I don't know how long that's sustainable, but I think it's kind of just speaks to this is what they've got. I mean, I think it's easy to say that uh, Terry McLaurin, obviously number one, but Gibson and McKissick, even though they play the same position and there's normally only one running back on the field, I think they're options two and three. And we're seeing that, uh, whether it be out of the backfield, like you said, or, um, you know, uh, running the ball, you know, whatever it is, they're going to try to get them involved. And um, I think we knew coming into this season, we've talked about it, that outside of Terry McLaurin, who were the weapons on this team? And I think, uh, you know, a couple of wide receivers have shown flashes, but I really think that these two running backs have been the most consistent. And another thing we've been saying since the beginning of the year, that short passing game could almost double as their running game. And. Uh, we know Alex Smith, his tendency to check it down or at least look short. I mean, he's he's kind of doing what we hope for. Now, now it is, you know, it looks like they can do that. They have a way to get these three guys involved, but it's got to start translating to to more points and more points uh, quicker. Uh, for this team to actually start putting together some wins, because we see we saw them move the ball all last week against Detroit, and somehow only come out with three points in the first half. So you got to think that they want to continue to move the ball around, get these guys involved, but you know, punch into the end zone, especially against a bad defense like Cincinnati.
0: Now we talked about our passing defense. Higgins and Burrow have really built this relationship recently, coming off back-to-back hundred-yard games. Like we said, it kind of looks like A.J. Green's being the guy kind of pushed out, the awkward one out. Who do you feel more comfortable with covering Higgins? Because you still do have Boyd, who looks like he's good to go. I think he was sick or something at some point, too, or Higgins was also. They've got a bunch of illnesses going around. Um, but defensive-wise, who's the one guy that you want to be covering Higgins?
1: Uh, man, as much as Higgins has had a pretty solid, uh, rookie year, I really still think that Tyler Boyd has kind of established himself as the number one guy, um, on that offense. And so, uh, I'm most nervous about him. I just feel like he's most consistent where Higgins will probably have a, a huge game here and there. I just feel like Tyler Boyd's more of the consistent. He's going to, he's going to get his yards. He's going to get his catches. I mean, 60 catches for over 600 yards. Him and Terry are really neck and neck, kind of yeah. across the board. Three touchdowns so, apiece. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Boyd's got three more catches for maybe a little under 100 yards less. So, anyway, I mean, he's just that consistent player, kind of like Terry McLaurin. So, that kind of guy scares me the most. The kind of guy that you think is having a quiet game until you look down, he's got seven or eight catches for over 100 yards. So, he definitely makes me most nervous, If but – um, if they can sh- kind of rattle the rookie Higgins and, and let Boyd do his thing, I think the defense could have a, a bit of a, a chance here against this passing attack.
0: You know, we talked about the Yak God, uh, Terry, who is third in the league right now with uh, yards after catch. Uh, we said the Bengals are allowed with 270 passing yards a game. We kind of really hinted at Alex Smith possibly going for that 300. I honestly think there's a good chance for that. I'm really not too impressed. Um with the Bengals' defense, especially just what how I've seen them play the last few weeks. Outside of McLaurin, I'm trying to think of a wide receiver. You know, we've seen Cam Sims really step up, Steven Sims maybe. He hasn't really had that one game where he's made his impact. Do you think Steven Sims has a chance to do that in this week against a mediocre defense, or do you think Cam Sims continues to elevate his game?
1: Well, i I hope that Cam Sims can. I hope both. Honestly, I, I feel like Stephen. <laughs> Everybody Sims, just go. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I feel like Stephen Sims was obviously hurt, and so he he missed some time, and it's going to take him some time to get back into the groove. But um, uh, so I think he had like four or five catches, which was kind of under the radar for me last week. I didn't realize that until. Looking back, let me—I was had it. Yeah, five catches for 46 yards. I was kind of surprised by that. So hopefully, Steven Sims is rounding into form. And man, I would love to see Cam Sims continue to establish himself as a uh, reliable guy over the middle. We talked about it in the post-game pod that he made some clutch catches—a fourth down catch. I think he had a third down catch over the middle last week. So you know, we talk about the lack of weapons. That's what I, we've already talked about it in this episode, but if these guys can just be consistent and play their roles and be reliable, reliable targets, I mean, that's all you can ask for. I mean, so we'll see. I hope both the Sims continue to, to establish themselves and continue to get in a role, and maybe they, they uh, you know, help us figure out the wide receiver position, whether it's wide receiver three or four, but I'm hoping that, that both Sims continue to have a role in this offense.
0: Yeah, it looks like Wright is questionable. He's been sick, and then it's still questionable, so down two guys. Wright has slowly been coming into this offense. He had a couple of nice plays last week, um, so I'm not sure about him. But this, to me, this is the biggest red flag for the week. Hopkins, we talked about how his job was in jeopardy. It looks like his groin is still messing up they did not bring in any other kickers are you do you kind of agree with that or you're like hey you kind of know how his health is and he's still listed as questionable for the game like why are we not as prepared for this as we should be considering well, should, how close these last games have been like we're losing by a points or two so
1: yeah absolutely and I, I don't I mean a kicker's a kicker I don't want to spend too much time on him but it I mean it is important and we've seen this that they've lost the last three the last three times I've lost have been by a combined seven points and that's what two field goals and an extra point, you know, I mean, so you're right. There's absolutely that little bit of wiggle room. So I don't know, maybe Ron, you know, I'm going to continue to trust Ron and maybe Ron believes in this guy and maybe he does think it's an, it's a health thing and not a performance thing. But I'm telling you, if he if he misses a kick, a makeable kick, and I'm not talking like a sixty yarder before the half or something that we don't expect him to hit, but if he misses another makeable kick, I'm gonna be ready for for the end the Hopkins experiment because it'll be time because it's just too too much at once, too many times this season um, that that he's he's cost us.
0: Yeah, I'm right on the line. I agree with you. Like this is this is another game where it's like he's on a very thin line with well, the fan base.
1: And the last time that they played each other, I believe was the game in London, and Dustin Hopkins missed like a 34-yarder, I believe, in oh. overtime that led to the tie. So, I mean, oh, yeah. brings up bad, bad memories when oh. I see Dustin Hopkins trotting out there against the Bengals. I mean, come on, come on, bro, come on. This is the week. <laughs> this I is the four,
0: redemption game. I need
1: four field goals out of you, and I need you to be to hit like a 55-yarder.
0: Forget number one versus number two. This is the Hopkins-London revenge game. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, this is completely out of fun, obviously, but Nick Sundberg is listed as questionable with an illness. If you could pick one guy on the team to be the long snapper in his place, who would would your guess be?
1: Oh, my gosh. You would think that it would be another lineman, but I'm pretty sure... Well, I'm pretty sure in years past I heard that Colt McCoy was the emergency snapper, which was oh, always gosh. surprising to me. So who knows? Maybe no, it's a guy. Faded out of him? <sighs> I know, right? That's our. He's our. <laughs> He's versatile. That's what Ron yeah. wants. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. I would think it'd be another lineman. One of the centers could somehow muster it up, but yeah, that's a good it's question. Be Chase that's, it's got
0: to. That,
1: that's something you don't think about until you you are put in that position so let's hope that it doesn't come down to that
0: I, I forgot who it was but i remember i was watching a college game last year and they were they had like their third string no it was like a, it was the beginning of this season It was like one of the first games they were without their long snapper and they literally uh fumbled all five punt attempts they mm. had like it went all over the place to the point where the punter would just grab the ball pick it up and just like kick it wherever like it was so bad so like that that's that could potentially happen. I think he'll still be good to go, but I thought that'd be funny to talk about. Um, but go ahead.
1: Uh, I, Why? Well, I just I was looking up a 34-yard field goal after a 10-play, 62-yard drive in overtime. Dustin Hopkins misses it, leads to a tie in hmm. London. 34 yards.
0: That's a very long plane ride home.
1: Yeah, that's brutal.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, he can step that up. Um, something that I think we are going to be seeing with Cornelius Lucas officially out, uh, Kyle Stackpole reported that today. Do you think we go back with Morgan Moses over to the left side, and it looks like Sharp on the right side, or how you feel about that?
1: It, it seems like I don't know. That's probably the safest bet. Um, but then you, I start to think, do we want to make two positions weaker, right? Like, do we want to make the right tackle mm-hmm. position weaker? And, I don't know. But it sounds like Morgan, uh, Morgan Moses has uh, ha- has been pre- prepping for the left tackle from what I've seen and what I've heard. Um, and I trust him over there. He's had such a good season. So um, if they decide that's the way to go, I- I'm excited to see him going on that left side. But it is a little scary. I never thought that. In 2020, I'd be worried that Cornelius Lucas wasn't playing. <laughs> so, but here we are, and that explains it, and that kind of explains why this team is two and seven. I think, but yeah, um, I, I think you go Moses on the left side, um, and uh, let Sharp handle the, the the right side where there's not as much pressure.
0: Yeah, I mean, Sidney Charles out for the season with that surgery. Drawn Christian's been right. in and out, and now Lucas. Like, it's just. This is usually how our offensive line goes. Every season, the later it yeah. gets, the less people we have. So it looks mix
1: like and mix and match those five, and it might we might be heading that way again down the second half of the season. We can only hope not. Uh, but
0: this game is the alumni game, and it looks like the Twitter account leaked out the uniforms. a Little teaser, um, but dude, we got to talk about these because those uniforms are fresh. Something that we saw so much before the season started was new uniform concepts, and 90% of them were horrendous. Yeah. Looks like something you made in like on paint back in like third grade. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but I got to say, these, um, we talked about it a little bit with the blank helmet, the gray face mask. You said you approved. Is this your favorite uniform that we have out right now? It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe, clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches, grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code bnp 20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt, the result will be a touchdown.
1: So far for the Washington football team, I think it might be. Um, I thought the numbers were cool, but the more I look at it, I, I don't know how much I like that. It screams college to me, which being an Alabama guy, I'm love sure you, you you love it. I, and but, and the, the funny thing is I go to Georgia or I went to Georgia Southern I don't go there anymore it's been a long time but anyway they have the numbers on the side of their helmet too so maybe it just makes me think of college and I want it to be a little different yeah so I kind of like the blank helmets I, I like the simplicity um, I like you know yeah I like the colors the gray face mask like yeah it's pretty solid I, I liked them when it, they were the Redskins I thought that was a cool change up every now and then that they did once a year. Um, so yeah I definitely like it the simpler the better better for me I'm not the kind of guy that likes the Oregon changing up the uniform every week so the the more plain I'm, I'm cool with that
0: yeah I feel like this jersey or this concept is a favorite like ever since the you like that game with Kirk Cousins yeah like those throwbacks but I love the pants like the gold pants to me is like what sets it off yeah. I hope we end up selling these online because I'm for sure going to get a Terry one <laughs> with that throwback if they have it. Like, out of any of them, that's the one. Um, and a shout-out to Brian on his Twitter um, when he showed the picture when he was little. He was the first one to ever that's own right. the
1: original Washington jersey. I, I noticed that, too. It's so funny that it said Washington. I wonder if that was, like, a copyright thing. But, I mean, maybe it was just a predictor of the future. Yeah. So here we are.
0: We, we got to go to you more often for things that coming up. Um, so one of the over-unders I had actually um, was for the alumni game. How many times do you think an, a former player or an alumni will be mentioned during the game? Whew. I will set the number at five and a half. Different people. It can't be the same same
1: name. Yeah. Well, I think that with Alex Smith starting again, we're going to get a lot of Joe Theismann comparison, right, yeah. with the leg. That's one. Um. Okay, so I saw the last time Washington beat Cincinnati, Brian Mitchell had a punt return, so oh, yeah. there's a good chance there. Oh, yeah. Man, I, off the top of my head, I'm already thinking at two. I think it would be easy to get to five, five and a half, but it being a national broadcast, not a Washington broadcast, I'm going to go a little bit under. I think they, they hit two or three, not not up to – To above that,
0: I was about to say the the whole name change kind of scares people away from talking about the past. Like
1: it's true. Oh, the former
0: Washington. Mm. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) Like, are we allowed to say it or not? So that can kind of hold them back. So I'll definitely go under on that. Um, Something else that just started was the Pro Bowl voting. I've seen some people, you know, lobbying. Obviously, Terry should be getting your votes. If you haven't voted for Terry, shame on you. If you voted for the president, you should be able to vote for Terry going to the Pro Bowl <laughs> equally as right. Um, so, outside of Terry, if you had to place one Pro Bowl vote, I'll I'll be nice and give you one for each side of the ball. Okay, who gets your vote? Start with the offense.
1: On the offensive side. I think I would have to go I th- I think Antonio Gibson being a rookie is gonna hurt him and there are so many playmakers at running back that I think that's gonna hurt him as well. So I'm gonna i I'm gonna go back to Morgan Moses. I think he's having a really mm-hmm. solid season. He's probably been the the one rock on that offensive line. I mean I know I know some guys haven't missed games, but he just seems to be the the, uh, the foundation of that offensive line. He, he, I feel like he's taken a step, even though he's been in the league for so long, he's gotten better this year. And, uh, I think he gets rewarded for that. So he'd be my offensive, uh, pro bowl guy on defense. Um, I think, Hmm, that one's tough. I think I'm going to, I'm, I was thinking one way. I'm gonna go with Kendall Fuller though. I think the number of yeah. yeah. Sorry to steal it from. <laughs> oh my bad. Well, the great minds think alike. I honestly so okay. I'll give you Fuller. I was honestly thinking uh, Daron Payne. I think that he's okay. he's stuffing up the middle, and um, you know even though it's not showing up on the stat sheet, I think that he is uh, he's kind of solidifying himself as one of the top. Ten, top 15 defensive linemen and so hopefully he gets some uh, love for that and I, I know that washington fans uh i i think that they love him so I, I think that he'll get a bunch of votes so if i wasn't going fuller i'd go pain
0: i mean i think it's obvious tress Way is you know yeah I mean, he's gonna go back i mean that's a given yeah he's on the field more than anybody on our team <laughs> he's our most valuable it's guy sad. um but i agree with you with, Mo- with morgan moses having a great season hasn't missed any games back from those injuries on both ankles. Like, I, I feel like he has stepped up and, and now even playing on the complete opposite side of the line than what he's used to. If he keeps that up, like, to me, he, he's he's deserving of votes. I'll even say Chase Rullier, um, for being a six-round guy, I've been raving about how good he's been as our center. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had, you know, decent offensive linemen outside of Trent Williams. Like, we've been so stuck on him because everyone mm-hmm. else sucked and he was just that good. Um, right. So it would be nice to see another offensive lineman, you know, go to the Pro Bowl like Trent Williams did so many times. Um, defense, like I said, man, Kendall Fuller. I know he had a bad game last week. That that's gonna you know leave some bad taste in your mouth, giving up two touchdowns. But his only touchdowns of the season, highest graded player. He has the turnovers to back up. Like that's what you want the stats wise. Um, Gibson, I could definitely see him going in the next few years though, like. It's but yeah. it's so deep in the NFC. You have Dalvin Cook, Kamara, like those are like the shoe in guys. It,
1: Aaron Jones. I mean he hasn't oh, he's yeah. been banged up, but yeah, there's three right there. Almost so just
0: yeah, just that just the NFC North in general. Like yeah. <laughs> are almost yeah. all shoe ins. Um but outside of that, um, the next thing I had was a couple more over unders. We talked about Alex Smith. I'm gonna set it at two eighty. Over 280, Mm. under 280.
1: I think he – I think because this team likes to get behind early, I think that he does go over 280. I I think he does. I think he hits the 300 mark again Um, just because this team, for whatever reason, can't get out of its own way to start games. So I think that it's not going to be that way again. So, yeah, I think he does throw for a little bit more. I think they're in a little bit better control of this game, and I don't think that he goes near 400, but I think 300 is very realistic.
0: It's funny you said that because my next one was halftime deficit 13 and a half over <laughs> over. I mean,
1: I know Washington's not good, but I mean neither are the Bengals, right? But I, Joe I'm going go
0: capable of just two I, quick touchdowns.
1: I know, I know. I, I gotta, I gotta hope that they they try to do something to confuse the rookie i hope so i'm gonna say under just because i i need i need it to be that way for my sanity <laughs>
0: we, we all need it um like i said i think he's he's capable of doing it but there's got to be one point in this season where you are just like okay enough is enough we have to come out to a fast start yeah this has i don't care if we just milk the clock every possession just to make sure it doesn't get out of hand
1: yeah, what like, was it last night that uh, the Seahawks and Cardinals, I think in the third quarter, combined for three drives or something like that? I mean, if that's what you got to do I'm, do, I'm with you, man. Keep, run, the, keep them off the field one way or another. Run that rock.
0: Uh, three and a half sacks. We've talked about how the Bengals have allowed 32. That's about, what, three and a half uh, per game. So that's why I put it at, three and a half sacks. you have the over or the under? And how yeah. many does Chase get?
1: Yeah, I was looking at this earlier this week. I think all but like one or two games, the Bengals have given up multiple sacks. And I think in most of those, they've given up three or more. So I think three and a half. I'm gonna go over. I think four should be the minimum that this defense gets. I mean, I feel like I've said that every week though. It's still a lot. Uh, but yeah, but I think that I think like you said, they they've given up a lot of sacks. I think they're top five in sacks allowed. Um, so I think they go over um, at least four. I'm thinking five should be. They, they should get five sacks. Uh, Chase, I'm gonna say that he gets a. I think that he gets a sack, one sack, uh, and I think it's a, a game changer. I think that game changing sure. plays. Yeah, yeah. I think that game changing play is coming for him. I think that he he owned up to his bad game last week. His his bad couple of plays and so I think he comes out and, and makes up for it because I just think that's the kind of guy he is. I think that he's going to own his mistakes and try to get better, and what better way to do it uh, than going after the one guy that was picked before you. So I, I think he makes only one sack, but I think it's a, a, a game changer, either a big, big stop on third down or something, or like you said, it would be awesome to see a strip sack.
0: I know it's not much of a storyline like we've kind of talked about. Like It will be talked about, but as a number two pick, like everyone wants to go to number one, you right. know. There's something in him that says, like, all right, this was the one guy I picked before me. I want to beat him just because he's that that competitive nature.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as much as he's from the DMV, all that, you know, there was a little bit of him that was like, dang, I really wish I was the number one overall pick, even if it meant going to Cincinnati. I'm sure that that's gone through his head. So, yeah, my, you know, you can you can say whatever you can you can. You can think whatever, but to go out there and prove that you're the, the most dominant player in the draft, that, that, that's a big opportunity on Sunday. So we'll see what happens.
0: In the last one, we talked about Gio's role and how he has that catching ability. Five and a half, it's not quite at McKissick number in targets. Yeah. Five and a half catches for Gio, you take in the over or under with Nixon I- being out.
1: Yeah, with Mixon being out uh, again, I think this is like f- his fourth straight game. So it's crazy that Bernard's been the the guy this past month. It, um, man, I really could see a DeAndre Swift type game where he gets involved with the oh, run sorry. and the and the pass. But I'm gonna say a little bit under just because I think because he's he's the running back. I think he's gonna be running it a little too much to where they're gonna get they're not gonna get him as involved in the passing game. So I'm gonna go. A little bit under. I think five is the perfect number.
0: I agree with you. And he does have some other weapons to go. But Joe Burrow, I mean, he, that one game he threw it, like, what, 55, almost 60 times against the yeah. Browns? Yeah. Like, I pray to God he doesn't have a game like that against us. No. If he throws that ball 60 times, he's he's got at least three or four touchdowns on us. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can contain that. Um, yep. One thing that we wanted to talk about, because I feel like the Bengals and Washington's really in that same boat of building to the future and you know it's something we talk about you know is this a winning season or what does it really look like I'd say we're really in that stage and um, something that we kind of discussed was the Bengals kind of plan to rebuild you see the Dolphins doing it so well you see how the 49ers had that quick turnaround when you're really breaking it down do you think that Cincinnati is ahead of us in this rebuild because they do have joe burrow or do you still think they're kind of just floating around that trying to figure out all the pieces stage like we are
1: uh yeah well i think honestly i I would say that both are true i i think that they're still trying to figure it out a little bit i think they're still gonna have to surround joe burrow with some pieces i think this defense has been really bad um i think washington's gonna beat on the defensive side but you're right. I think having your quarterback and having a potential long-term solution, uh, which I think we, we really all – I think everybody thinks that Joe Burrow is definitely the long-term solution at quarterback. I think that's a, a no-brainer. I think that puts them a little bit ahead of Washington. I mean, Washington is starting a guy who hadn't made a start in two years. I mean, there's something to be said about that. It's a great story, but it also tells you where Washington is at the quarterback position. Um, and, and Sunday, I think the Bengals are going to have the better quarterback out there and he's only in his what 10th career game or whatever it's at. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati is a little bit ahead. Um, I think Washington's got to find their quarterback and I think that that's key in all of these rebuilds. I think San Francisco looks pretty good because Jimmy G played well. That's a team you mentioned. That's why I bring them up. I think they looked pretty good because Jimmy G was serviceable but I think we're seeing that he's not reliable and we're seeing them dip off now. I mean, I know they've had awful injuries too, but I think we're seeing them dip off. And I think that quarterback position is really key and it might be a hot take, but I think I'd take, you know, Cincinnati or Miami or the chargers over the next four or five years over the 49ers, because Mm -hmm. of that reason, because I trust those quarterbacks even being younger than I do a Jimmy G. So I think the quarterback is so important and that's why, at the end of the day, I, I love Chase Young. and I love the pieces um, on the defensive line for this team. But uh, you know, it's nice to have your your franchise quarterback. And, and bef- before, you know, before we move on, don't get me wrong, I, I'm glad they took Chase Young. And I think he was the right pick at number two. But there is something to be said about having your, your quarterback. And I think they thought that might have been Dwayne Haskins. I thought, I think they thought that, he would have turned around his sophomore year and it just didn't happen. So, until they really find that guy, I think they're going to be behind some of these other rebuilding teams.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, we we brought up the 49ers cuz that's who a lot of the fan base has really compared our rebuild to. Right. You're you're building it defense first. Like our defense is obviously way better than offensive than our offense is. I think it's pretty safe to say and like you said, you kind of see, like, Jimmy G was serviceable. We kind of hoped that Alex Smith was going to be in to, like, before he got hurt. We were building up that defense to help, and then, boom, that one huge block falls down. Alex Smith goes down. You're kind of scrambling to rebuild. I mean, it's like the, a wave just hitting your sandcastle in a way, and you're like, shoot, we still have this here, but we're missing this giant piece now. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said with the Bengals, like, you want your quarterback and you know that's something we're talking about for next season. Yes, you take Chase Young at number 2. Some people are still saying, "Oh, well this is why we should have took 2 instead." And traded it back like those rumors that we were saying we hoped wouldn't tr- or wouldn't be true. Now fan base the whole fan base is scrambling saying, "Oh, we should have took 2. We should have traded back. Got more picks. Got our franchise quarterback. Yeah. Not nah, gotten Chase Young." So I, it is interesting to see like how each team builds differently. You know, the Dolphins took the Oklahoma City Thunder approach and just got every draft pick possible. And just drafted really well. Right. <laughs> they look like a really good team now. And they got their quarterback in the process. And, you know, not every team's going to be like that. You know, not every team's going to be a really good Kansas City Chiefs team that just finds a diamond at 15 and Pat Mahomes.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: going to be different rebuilds. So it's going to be interesting to see. But my question that I had for you was I'll say four years from now, who has the better franchise? the Bengals or the Washington, whatever we're called?
1: That is such a tough question because I think, like I said, I think it's obvious right now the Bengals are are a step ahead, but ah, I'm going to have to stick with the Bengals. I know we're a Washington fans. I know that we're all about the team, but until they can prove that they get this quarterback position right, I think they're going to always be kind of floundering until they get it right. And it looks like the Bengals – uh, have that guy right now. Um, if you were asking who has the better supporting cast, who has the better everything else, I would think Washington would, would have them beat. But I think as, as far as you're going to go in the NFL, it's, it's up to your quarterback. And right now the Bengals have got that. And, uh, you know, God forbid a bad injury to Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be, um, their quarterback for a long, long time. And so I think the Bengals would have the slight edge once again. Um, but talk to me next year or the year after. If Washington finally gets their quarterback, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape, and they they would they would easily uh, overtake them.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like in the quarterback position, is such a fragile position too. i mean, like you said. Like we see how Alex Smith goes down, and then you're you can't just plug in a guy and hope it works. That's not a good long term solution. Yeah. Like you can be down like a running back, and you have another one because they're serviceable. You can make it through like that, but. Finding a guy like Burrow, to, to me, really helps them go forward. And like you said, I feel like we have the supporting cast, but we could draft a guy next year and he could be a stud, or we could draft a guy next year and he's really hot, and then he just falls flat and we're back in the same boat the year after. So, but I seem
1: so snake bitten at the quarterback position. Oh. Until they absolutely get it right one time, it's going to be that way. Three quarterbacks, three broken legs mm. in the last
0: what, three years, essentially. Yeah. Not a good streak. We've got to somehow cut this curse out. I think Zach Wilson's going to be the guy. We'll talk about that some more. So, Brian, prediction, come Sunday, like you, you like to say, what are we talking about Monday morning? What's what's the headline on the Washington website?
1: I think that uh, win or lose, I think that Alex Smith solidifies himself as the quarterback for the rest of the year. I think that he is going to be the guy that this team rolls with as they continue to evaluate, as they continue to move along in the season. And I think he has another solid game, like we said, uh, probably close to 300 yards, if not over that again. And I think that uh, it just continues to be a, a, a great story and that he just kind of solidifies himself as the comeback player of the year. And um, I think where we, we get even farther away from seeing Dwayne Haskins again in Burgundy and Gold.
0: I agree. I'm going to say if we had to do a score, gosh, we're in those, like, 20s. We're, like, 23-21, 27-24 yeah. kind of games. I we, we talk about how winnable these games are, and I feel so confident every time I pick those winning.
1: Well, Yeah, well, it's, that's it's why hard. you asked – what are we talking about? Like I don't want to pick because I, I just have seen this too many times where it's a winnable game and they yeah. find a way to not win it. So I really don't think that they win because I, I, you know, they 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 have yet to prove me, prove me right or prove me wrong, whichever way it is that they just can't uh, they can't find a way to win these winnable games.
0: I'd say 30-24 Cincinnati. It's kind of a high score, but I I just I think Joe Burrow is a good game. I agree with you with Alex Smith. I think he has another great game. No turnovers. I'll say two touchdowns. I'll say he, he hits that 300 mark by a little bit. Um, I think he is the quarterback for the rest of the season. For next season, no. I think he's a great coach for whoever we do draft next season. But I I really do think that, you know, the Haskins, I think that's done. I think Ron, I, I, What one thing I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for Ron to come out and just say Alex is our guy for the rest of the season. Is that something that you've been like kind of waiting for or haven't really thought mm. about?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. The, you know, Ron seems like he would say that, and so yeah, I think that that would probably be coming. I think we saw a report this week. I don't know how true it was or where it came from, that Dwayne Haskins would really only get back in if Washington was officially eliminated. I don't know how true that is, but yeah. you're right. I, I think we, I think we're getting closer to, to Ron Rivera saying Alex Smith is our guy for the rest of this year.
0: Yeah, I think JP asked him about that. He was like, I didn't see anything. I didn't say anything before the games. Like, whatever you see, like, take it with what you want. Grain of salt, yeah. Yeah, and I agree with him. Uh, And you don't come out and say that about a player that you might potentially be wanting to trade to. Like, you don't want to devalue that at all. So, but it would still just be nice for him to come out and say, hey, Haskins is done like unless, you know, need be, but Alex Smith's our guy. So I think this game will definitely help out Alex Smith's case, but I think we both agree. I don't think we win this one, which is sad to say. We're supposed to be the hoorah fans, but gosh, after the last yeah. few weeks, if you can't beat the Lions, can you really beat the Bengals?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about this four-game stretch being so critical, and they have come out. I mean, they played, they played them close at the end, but, uh, I mean, they've, they got beaten these last two, so what makes me think it's going to be any different? I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't. I don't know that I will be, or we will be.
0: Wally said, "Lion, Bengals, and Bears." We got line, Bengals, and Cowboys on Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that one too. Gosh, that that that's just the one that you have to win. Like if I had to pick one of these, obviously it'd be the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Like to me, that one matters more than any game this season. Um, not just being the NFC East, but we'll see. Brian. We're going to be watching the game on Sunday. Hopefully we can edge this one out. Um, like I said, honestly, to be honest with you, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I don't think we win this game, just being honest. And if you do, who wins it? Defense or the offense?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, I think defense makes a big play, whether it be Chase Young or somebody making a key turnover. I think you got to rattle through a and make a mistake. So yeah, I think it'll be the defense that is the defense maker.
0: Someone said when I had my uh cigar in alabama i had like the haircut kind like joe burrow <laughs> joe burrow vibes i was like don't you ever <laughs>
1: say, <laughs> say that to that'll me. make you get a buzz cut real quick <laughs>
0: yeah I, I, that's the only thing that i ever would but brian we will talk about this game on sunday you'll be in disney world having yeah. fun what are you All most right. looking forward to
1: Going with my daughter, man. I know she's only six months old, but it'll be fun to, to see Disney through uh, her her little eyes. That'll be a lot of fun, so I can't wait. I know.
0: You'll probably be having more fun than her, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, yeah, no, 100%. She's going to be like, why is it so hot right now? But Brian's I'm like, you like,
0: don't know who that is? Like, are you kidding me? That's Mickey right? Mouse.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's the guy. He's he's the guy.
0: He's the OG. But Brian, we will see you back for Thanksgiving to talk about the Cowboys game. So you sir enjoy Disney World. And on Sunday it'll be me and Adam breaking down what we hope is a win. Like you said, this might start turning into hope. the draft pick game where we're start, you know, calling for the the losses so we can draft my guy Zach Wilson, but we'll see and we will see y'all on Sunday night.